Hello, welcome to Living Change Eating Podcast and Happy New Year. May 2009 bring you an abundance of good things. Living Change went on hiatus last month, as things tend to at that time of year. But anyway, I'm back and I've been thinking about going back to the very beginning and how we start a reading, how we create space for it, how we create an opening. And I think this is more important than we often give it credit for. And it's easy to concentrate on the details of how you interpret and the, you know, the knowledge or the tools or whatever that you use at that stage. When really, if a reading is going to bring about some kind of change, any kind of change, it needs an opening to get in. It's no use for us just to carry on along the same tracks as before and expect ye to fit in. We need to create a space. And some people have their own small rituals to do this. Or quite substantial rituals. A special place they go to to perform readings or special things they do. I have very little in that way. I tend to spend a long time writing about the situation. Um, and somewhere in that process I form the question and I hold it in my mind. Maybe I ask it out loud, and then I cast the hexagram. And I find it helps to cast the hexagram without writing it down until I've finished, and I visualize it being written in the air in front of me. You know, that just, um, it heightens the concentration for me. The objective of any ritual, or any regular practice you have, or really of whatever you do, ritual or otherwise, in casting a reading, is to be open. Creating an opening for the message to come through, really. I call it opening the channel. And this is the first stage of a reading. First you open the channel to allow the message through, then you connect, you make the personal connections with the stories and imagery you receive, and then you integrate the answer into the fabric, the structure of your life. So the quality of the opening that you begin with makes a difference to the whole reading. The time you give to this, and the quality of attention you'll give to it, it affects whether your question is well thought out, and whether it really reflects your intention and your need in the reading. It affects whether you even know your intention at all, whether you even know why you're asking. And it affects whether you can allow the answer to say whatever it says, and whether you'll allow yourself not to know what it says for a while, if it doesn't make sense right away. Actually, I have a feeling that if you're clearer when you're asking, you also tend to get clearer answers. But nonetheless, it's important that uh, commitment to the process that means you will allow yourself not to know, and you can be comfortable with that. And from this follows the depth of connection that you'll be able to make with the answer, and also the depth of change that will be possible for you in response to it. That has to do with the clarity of your intention, 
for the reading as well. And that has to do with your readiness, willingness to undergo change. Yeah, I notice I keep saying you here. Of course, what I mean is me and possibly us. The objective of all this isn't to enter into a state of undisturbed calm when you're consulting. Partly because I don't think that's a realistic thing to expect. At least I can't generally manage it, and the people I'm reading for often can't either. Um, but also largely because I've never really seen any evidence that it's very useful. Some of the most powerful answers come in response to questions that are asked from a place of complete desperation. In fact, if you're bringing your full attention to what you're asking and why you're asking it, that probably means that you're feeling the emotions around it more intensely, that you're really filled up with your question. Now, if my voice just started sounding different, it's because I only just recorded this bit and pasted it in here. I suppose it's whatever you'd call the podcast equivalent of a stop press. I was going to tell you all over again about a survey I ran last year about opening the space for a reading. That was all part of the preparation for an event I'm running next month with Eliana Gilad. And we've just got the web page ready where you can read about this. It's at onlineclarity.com forward slash space. That's O-N-L-I-N-E-C-L-A-R-I-T-Y dot com forward slash S-P-A-C-E. The event's called Opening Space for Change. And we're bringing together what I've learned about the opening and connecting phases of the reading process with Eliana's music and her skill and her wisdom in dissolving all the stuff that clogs up that space and truly allowing yourself to hear both the question and the answer. It's really hard to describe this but it really makes all the theory about opening the channel into an actual physical experience. You can read more about it and also see a video introduction from Eliana on the webpage. Here, let me give you that address again. onlineclarity.com forward slash space O-N-L-I-N-E C-L-A-R-I-T-Y dot com forward slash S-P-A-C-E And now I'll go back to the original recording of the reading. So, I asked Yi for some advice on how to open the channel. Of course, as I read the answer, I think about experiences with the Yi Jing. Naturally, I, I respond in terms of what I know well. But actually this reading's applicable to any time you're trying to receive answers in any way, from other oracles like tarot or runes, or just from tapping into your own intuition and trying to hear a dependable inner voice. The upcoming event with Eliana will be the same. It's definitely not only for Yijing people. 
I asked ye, please give us some advice on how to open the channel. And ye answered with hexagram 59, dispersing, changing lines 1 and 2 to hexagram 42, increase or blessing. Looking at the two hexagram names together, there's dispersing's blessing, the, the blessing of dispersing, dispersing with blessing in mind, removing the barriers to blessing, maybe. Dispersing, hexagram 59, it is very much about dissolving barriers, making solid things liquid, allowing everything to enter a state of flux or indeterminacy. And in this, it has a common theme with hexagram 42, with increase, which is fluidity. 42 is about allowing increase, I think, by allowing flow. You pour in more and you receive more, and you don't build up boundaries that would get in the way of that. So hexagram 59 maybe appears here as a way to hexagram 42, a kind of gateway to it. The primary hexagram is 59, dispersing, and this comes, of course, from hexagram 58, which is Dui, communicating joy, the hexagram of the lake trigram doubled. The way dispersing follows from the hexagram of the doubled lake is reminiscent of the old belief that lakes and marshes concentrate energy, gather it together so it doesn't dissipate, and rivers balance that by channeling the energy so that it doesn't become stagnant. I think first we have conversation, inner conversation, and maybe also outer, about what we will be divining on. We put ideas into circulation, we bring everything together, we get everything talking to everything else, we explain and expound the whole situation. And if you've ever written a journal entry um, about a situation before you divined about it, then you know how this works. And in this way we become richer in possibilities. We get our ideas moving and flowing together and communicating. And then at some point this flows out into divination. The lakes flow together and... The flow develops momentum, and it, it pours into a reading, and it's going somewhere. Looking at the Chinese name of the hexagram, the Chinese character for dispersing, its component parts mean something like beautiful waters or lively rivers, and it means dispersing and spreading and flowing out. If you can imagine how solids melt and how liquids evaporate, how the molecules are always moving further apart and moving more freely, that's dispersing, I think. Lisa calls it the flood. And she tells us that in the part of the character that means lively, there's a man standing at the mouth of a cave with a stick in his hand. You can imagine him looking out over the floods, Perhaps soon he'll be using the stick to try to get a measure of the distances he's looking at. Because this is the effect of the flood, of dispersing. You can see much further. The water is flowing further and more freely, because all the landmarks and limits that 
used to restrict these things have gone. So this is really a very clear response to a question about opening the channel. It's about flow. I ask a question about opening a channel, and I receive an answer with a very prominent water component in the Chinese name of the hexagram. And of course there's the water trigram on the inside. So to open the channel you disperse and dissolve away the obstacles to flow. You take the boundaries away so you can see further. For example, you might want to dissolve, disperse the preconceptions and assumptions with which you're going into the reading. Sometimes these are quite clear in the question you're asking. And for instance, asking something like, why does this always go wrong? You're assuming that what's happening is wrong and that it should be different. Another thing you might want to disperse are the limits on your emotions around the reading. I think approaching an oracle, it's good to allow yourself to feel the depth of desire or fear or frustration or joy or whatever it is that brings you to the oracle. It's really not the time for saying, oh, I shouldn't feel this angry or no, it's not safe to really want this. So often I find someone's choice of question is limited by the fear that it's not safe to feel what they actually, in fact, do feel. It's as if they can't quite allow themselves to feel and want this. So they are, they, and so they can't ask a question that would actually move them towards it, because they can't allow themselves the feeling. This is most immediately apparent, I suppose, when someone is wanting and longing to create a relationship. But instead of asking about that, they wind up asking, how does he feel? In other words, is it safe, is it okay for me to feel this way? Another example of artificial limits that it might be good to disperse? Um... The idea, for instance, that this question is only about some safe topic um, and not about anything else. For instance, this question is only about my business and it's not about my spiritual life. Or it's only about my spiritual life and it's not about anything I have to actually do. Um, on the one hand, it's true that readings flow through questions and clarity in the question is vitally important. But it's also true that the answers won't fit into neat um, kind of life compartments. You need to be prepared for any little barriers you might have between the different compartments of your life to be swept away down the river. So I think when you open the channel and cast, you really need to be prepared to open the floodgates. This can create a need to keep your head above the emotional waters, as it were, and not drown in a kind of sea of interconnections, where you're saying, well, I asked about my toothache, but this answer's all about my job, for instance. And it's actually more about how not to drown in the text of the two moving lines. The oracle says, Dispersing, creating success. The king enters his temple. There is harvest in crossing the great river, and harvest in constancy. 
when the king enters his temple or takes on his temple, this is a moment of spiritual connection. It's really very simple, almost as if you were drawing us a diagram. The king, the power to make decisions, is stepping right into the spiritual center. And that's actually the king's real and most important role. Not just being the place where the buck stops, but being the connection through his ancestors to the spiritual source of the people's life. And this too is very much about the flow. There's a circulation of blessings between the human realm and the spiritual realm, and when the king enters the temple he kind of completes the circuit and establishes this flow. Then it says there is harvest in crossing the great river. Which is maybe slightly funny, because of course at the time of the flood, the river has pretty much come to you. The flood has swept the old boundaries and definitions away, and you can't just put them back, you can't build them on top of the water. And in the same way, you've brought your question to mind completely, and everything with it, and you can't put it away again. So now you're invited to move on out into a whole new space for thinking and doing one with many fewer landmarks and a whole lot more flow, and this calls for commitment and a willingness to cross into the unknown. Also, crossing the river suggests a journey. It suggests that you have an intention in mind. Crossing rivers is actually dangerous and you don't do it casually, you do it because there's somewhere you want to get to. And it's fruitful to do this with constancy. Those are words which also mean that divination is fruitful. Really, it's about being true to the message you receive. Then the image of dispersing, the picture of its landscape that comes from looking at the two trigrams that make up the hexagram. Wind moves above the stream, dispersing. The ancient kings made offerings to the highest to establish the temples. Again, it helps to think about evaporation. The wind is moving above the water. It's stirring it and evaporating it. And the old belief was that when you cooked offerings, the spirits would come and they would be nourished on the aromatic steam that rose from the vessel. So the ancient kings made offerings to the highest to establish the temples. It's very interesting that their temples are founded on wind moving over the water. They're founded on the relationship with the ancestral spirits. There are no big foundation stones being laid down here. You make a secure, solid and lasting connection to spirit out of wind and water. The inner stream suggests an inner flow, a commitment your willingness to venture into the flood, and this is lifted up in the wind and translated into a pattern and a lasting shape for things. I'll look at the relating hexagram next, and then I'll look at the text of the two moving lines from hexagram 59, so that we have a complete context to put them in. So the relating hexagram is 42, increase or blessing. And that describes what this whole question is really about in the broadest sense. Dispersing is the direct advice. 
That's what we need to do to open channels. Increase and blessing is why we're doing this at all, I think. It's what we're trying to open a channel to in the final analysis. Because seeing through to the truth of something is a blessing. Readings make us richer, it's just what they do. There's a really beautiful, clear connection between the names of hexagrams 59 and 42. 59, like I said, shows flowing water, and 42 shows a vessel that overflows. So you can see why I'm saying that dispersing is a way to allow increase. Also, the words of the oracle for the two hexagrams have something in common. 42, like 59, says that this is a fruitful moment to cross the great river. The whole text says, Blessing, harvest in having a direction to go, harvest in crossing the great river. If you have a direction to go, then you have a vision, you have a sense of purpose. You have an intention for your reading, some idea of what difference you want it to make, outwardly or inwardly. I suppose, in the simplest terms, you have an answer to the question, where are you going with this? And then, crossing the Great River, you commit yourself to going there. When Hexagram 59 advised crossing the river, I thought of the moment when you commit yourself to asking and you trust yourself to the flow of the reading. When I look at this, I imagine this crossing as one step further along, your, in other words, your willingness to act on the reading. As always, that doesn't have to be an outwardly visible action. You may be the only person who knows it's happening. But it is a commitment to make a change. Basically, this is saying that when you're blessed, and when you connect with the oracle, you are blessed, this is a good moment to use that energy to move in your chosen direction. This reminds me of the huge difference it makes to the whole quality of someone's relationship with ye, when they're actually willing to act on its answers. That's when the whole thing really comes to life. The image of 42, the landscape of its trigrams, that has more on being willing to respond. Wind and thunder increase. The noble one sees improvement, and so he changes. Where there is excess, he corrects it. The trigram of thunder is on the inside. That suggests initiative and a personal spark and will to act. And wind is still on the outside, suggesting free, adaptable movement. And just as in hexagram 59, with wind over water, it carries the idea of influence and extending your reach. Thunder and wind, they're both forces that move and change things because, naturally, increase can only come about through change. The Noble One sees improvement, and so he changes, and this is really a key to increase, being available to move and respond. The Dajuan says that increase means not establishing anything, and this is the long-term way to hold the space open and allow the increase to keep coming. Staying open, always responding, and not building up habits or rules that would prevent that fluid response. Moving on to the changing lines. Hexagram 59, line 1, reads, Using the help of a horse's strength, good fortune. How can we open the channel? With the help of a horse's strength. 
swiftly and powerfully. The horse, for the people who wrote this, is the fastest thing in the world. This is strength to move more quickly and purposefully, to get moving and travel in your chosen direction. And also, this first line of 59 is your first experience of the flood, and your first priority here is going to be not drowning. Horses have natural buoyancy, and they swim strongly. So horses' strength is going to be of great help when crossing the river. So this is saying that you have the power to get things moving. You have real momentum. You can use it. And you have the strength to keep you safe, so you don't drown in the flow of emotions. You won't be scattered and swept away. You can maintain your direction and keep travelling. Where does this strength of the horse come from when you're starting a reading? It might be in the strength of desire and motivation that brought you to the oracle in the first place. All that great desire you have to understand and the need you have for change. You can channel that into a willingness to open up. This surely has the power to lift you out of ruts in your thoughts and into the reading space. If you change this line alone, you get hexagram 61, Inner Truth. So this is the inner truth of dispersing, a vivid inner experience of it, knowing its essence. So maybe by setting things in motion with vigour, by using the help of a horse's strength to begin your reading, you release the flow of inner truth. I think maybe the first step into dispersing is feeling the strength of the current and its power to carry you and you feel this as an inner truth. And when you become aware of this as an inner truth, then I think you find that it's the strength of a horse that you can use. And the second line reads, Dispersing, flee to your support, regrets vanish. So what's this support that you flee to? The word means a machine, and an opportunity or a chance, and a means, a means of doing something. Also, it's made of wood, and Greg Winkup, in his Rediscovering the I Ching book, translates it as a boat, which, in the context of a flood, makes a lot of sense. So, as you enter into a reading, what supports you? What stays afloat in the flood? There's the dispersing of emotion and desire that carries you into the reading, and then there's the flow of imagery and meanings and connections as you move into it. And maybe what keeps you afloat in all this is your question. Or maybe it's your intention for the reading. You know, your sense of where you're going with it and what difference you want it to make. In terms of practical advice for a reading practice, I'd say this suggests that you keep going back to your question. You keep on reading it out, and keep on reading out the answer in response, and then you can listen to this as a conversation. Another kind of support you might find is your clear, intuitive connection to some part of the reading. So when you find that, you hold to it, you don't let it go. And then the rest of the reading gradually starts to take shape around that, around this core of the sense of conversation with the oracle, and the first seeds of awareness of how it's answering you. 
How can we open the channel? Disperse and flee to your support. Regrets vanish. All the confusion you've had about this issue in the past, and all the mistakes you've made around it, are just that. They are past mistakes and confusion. And so your regrets about this are also dispersed, and they vanish away. All of that is swept away down the river, and you get to see what's left. This second line, changing on its own, gives you hexagram 20. So you're dispersing and seeing what's really there. Sometimes you'll find it's something that you absolutely know in your deepest self. Sometimes that emerges as you start putting the question into words. Maybe you suddenly see that the first question you wanted to ask isn't it at all, because you realise that's something that you truly know and don't need or want to ask. And sometimes it emerges as you connect with the answer. There's this moment of, yes, this is something I recognise, that's me. This is what I meant about how the moving line texts describe how to keep your head above the floodwaters. Before we enter into a reading, we have our ways of living with things. They might not be working too well, or really getting us anywhere, but our thoughts patrol along established boundaries, and we know where we are. I think this reading suggesting that to open the channel and really receive an answer, you need to disperse those familiar patterns of thought and open the floodgates. Experiencing hexagram 59, you know, it isn't necessarily fun. It can feel a lot like going under and getting lost. And a reading can be like drowning in a sea of imagery or emotional connections, or both. And so we are given these two moving lines that describe how to cope with that. How to use the strength that carries you forward into the reading. And how to use the intention or the knowing that's always there. So you're encouraged to concentrate on the power that you have to work with, and on what supports you. I think this is important because really opening up to a reading is actually frightening. When I work with reading clients, I start with a conversation to get to know their situation and find a good question to ask. And it's surprising how often we get to the end of this conversation, and I say, okay, I'll go and ask that question on your behalf and I'll phone you back, and then suddenly the person realises that they're nervous. Now they're really asking the oracle, and they find quite unexpectedly that they're frightened of the answer. I'm not sure, but maybe this sudden moment of trepidation before a reading is a good sign. Maybe it's a sign that you're really opening to it. Could be. So I think this gives you the fundamentals of the reading. How opening a channel and creating an opening for a reading means dispersing obstacles and blocks and boundaries that are in the way of receiving its full blessing and the strength and and the clarity of vision you can draw on to do that. There is quite a lot more to be discovered about this reading, by diving more deeply into it using the Diviner's Toolkit to explore further, and I'll be doing that in the second half of this podcast for Change Circle members. So, I hope you found this reading interesting. 
and I hope it really sparks your interest in this whole subject of how we create an opening for the reading and how we can best let it flow through so we experience a clear, deep connection to what it's telling us. As I was saying, Eliana and I will be running an event in the first weeks of February to learn and experience some very effective ways of doing exactly this. Now it's time for another Stop Press section. Now we actually have the web page ready for you about the Opening Space for Change event. There's a description to read, a video to watch, and, not least, a sign-up form where you can reserve your place. I really hope you will. I have a feeling this is going to be something very special. It's at onlineclarity.com forward slash space. O-N-L-I-N-E-C-L-A-R-I-T-Y dot com forward slash S-P-A-C-E. And if you're a member of Change Circle, by all means do go and read the page, but please go to the Change Circle homepage as well, as there's a discount coupon there for you. Okay, that really is all for now. I really hope you enjoyed this. I did most of it without a script, so it probably sounds more tentative than usual. I hope it's okay. Anyway, please post a comment and let me know what you think. Thank you.